0: When I wrote the post, I was living in Paris actually, and I went over to Montmartre, which is this big artist colony, and you get crepes and everything. And then there's tons of people selling shitty little trinkets on the street, right? So it's you literally can't walk anywhere without somebody running up to you and being like, "Hey, you want a selfie stick?" or "Hey, you know, buy this yeah. little Eiffel Tower thing." And as I was going through it, I was like, "Man, this is just like the
1: internet." Alright, so today, uh, on Seeking Wisdom, we thought we'd do a little, little bit of a different type of episode. We don't usually have guests on, uh, but I have Nat Eliason on the podcast. Uh, hey Nat, just tell everybody, say hi and then we'll get back to you in a second. Hey! Uh, that?: <laughs> cool. So, uh, you know, uh, about a month ago, er- early May, we, you know, we talked about how at Drift we were killing all of our lead forms. Uh, we've talked about that a lot on this podcast about you know why we did it and some of the reactions to why we did it. And uh, you know, the number one thing that we've kind of noticed is that there's this movement kind of building around killing lead forms. And uh, one day, I was just browsing through inbound.org, like catching up on some on some articles. I stumbled across uh, an article, and it was titled uh, "It was titled Why I'm Killing All My Lead Forms." And I was like, "Shit! Didn't we just write that? Like, who <laughs> who posted that?" And sure enough, uh, it was Nat, and you you wrote, you know, you basically you whether it was inspired by our post or just something you'd been thinking about, you did the same thing, and you've you had some really good reasons why. And so I wanted to have you come on the podcast today and, and kind of dive into that.
0: Yeah, thanks so much yeah so uh Uh, who who are you (laughs) (laughs) yeah so uh like i said my name is nat i'd say right now i'm mostly a writer so i I do a bunch of different things my focus right now is really on improving my writing i was deep in the internet marketing world for a couple of years and now i'm taking a lot of that knowledge and applying it to focusing more on writing, but with some of that marketing to back it, which I think helps a lot in what's become a really fragmented attention economy, which I'm sure we're going to talk about a lot more. Your
1: site's pretty big, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it's, uh, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I'm kind of fortunate in that I learned a good amount about SEO from the job I was working at before this and from some of my own experimentation. And so the site gets a good amount of traffic it's up to a bit over 10,000 people a day now uh and it's a pretty wide range of topics so that's covering literally anything from finance to work to sex to psychology to philosophy to marketing uh it's really just whatever i feel like talking about at the
1: time that's that's so 10,000 people a day damn that's really impressive for a, for a personal uh site okay i want to I gotta ask, just because we we like to talk about marketing stuff, give me give me some drop some SEO knowledge just quickly. What do you think the biggest thing that people get wrong with SEO is?
0: Yeah. So the funny thing with SEO is, I actually think that ninety nine percent of anything you read on it is probably bullshit. Uh, like because
1: a lot of things in online marketing are today.
0: Yeah. No, it's really true because so I mean my theory is that there are a lot of people who are SEO experts and they're they've studied this field a lot and they're really really into it and you know one they need to make money so they need to convince you that it's difficult so that you'll pay them to do their seo Mm uh and two i think that the really niche seo where not niche seo but the really technical seo where okay you have to go get backlinks and you have to really format your page perfectly and do all of this stuff i think that only applies in fields that are so incredibly competitive for search engine rankings where You have to do that, right? And I think the only really fields where that applies are probably SEO content, right? Because if you're writing against other SEO people, that's going to be super competitive. Uh, Health, so people talking about weight loss and fitness, that field is crazy on their SEO. And uh, personal finance, right? But if you're not talking about those three things, I actually don't think you have to do anything except write really good articles. Uh, I've got, so I've got like the number one article on, water fasting results i've got the number two article on how to last longer in bed i've got one on bulletproof tea i've got a bunch of these that are really ranked highly and honestly i haven't done anything to get them up there besides write good articles
1: it's awesome it's good to hear somebody who has a background in seo talk about how good content you know uh wins uh so so that's where all your traffic is coming from today is it just a organic the you know search results of those highly ranking posts it's about 80 percent from search yeah Cool. All right, so so you have this really popular site, you get a ton of traffic. Why would you make the decision to kill all your lead forms because I don't know, if I was a marketer, I'd be like, "Damn, I bet we could get more traffic if we started capturing email addresses and and getting people to fill out forms."
0: Yeah. So, this this was something that I struggled with for a while because like I said, I've been working in internet marketing for about 2 years and I've been telling everyone Hey, you got to be building an email list. You got to be super aggressive on email capture. You got to do all of this. And when I was digging in on the numbers of my site, the first thing that I noticed was that email did not drive very much traffic, right? So we can actually do the back of the napkin here and we can say, let's, you know, let's imagine that you have a site that's getting a thousand visitors a day and you install somewhat aggressive email capture and let's pretend you're getting 5% opt-in, right? And that's a lot. But let's just pretend. Uh, So you're getting 50 new signups a day. So in 100 days, you'll have 5,000 new signups. Okay. Now, if you email those 5,000 people, you might get a 5% click-through rate, right? So that 5% click-through rate is going to be, what, uh, 250 clicks, So you're getting an extra 250 visits to each article after 100 days of building your email list. That's really small, right? right? It's a really small amount of traffic, especially considering that you're already getting 1,000 a day. So unless you can get insane open rates or insane click-through rates or both, it's actually not that amazing of a channel for getting more traffic to your blog if you're already getting a lot from other places. It is good, I think, for community building and making sales and all of that, but if you want to build a community or make sales to your list, then you want to be getting really targeted signups, which you're not going to do if you're just collecting every single person that you possibly can with super
1: aggressive tactics. Yeah, one of the things that you mentioned – so that, I'm glad you, you broke it down like that because that's, that's a good way to think about it. Um, but one of the things that you mentioned in, in your post – I'm going mm-hmm. to link to – I'll link to it in the show notes so everybody can awesome. catch up on it that hasn't seen it. Um, didn't you say something like you looked at the people who – you looked at your email subscribers that have come from those kind of – you know, methods that we're all used to, like content upgrades and pop-ups and stuff. Mm-hmm. And didn't you notice that there was like a really high rate that just weren't engaged? So they were basically useless emails anyway.
0: Yep. They they were absolutely useless. I was going through because, you know, one, email hosting is expensive, right? And my MailChimp bill was over $150 a month. And I said, okay, I'm gonna start cleaning some of these people out. Right. And so I went in and I was looking through and I said, okay, well let's look at all the people who haven't opened any of the last 10, 15, 20 emails. And I created that segment and I'm looking through in every single one of them, not every single one, but let's say 90, 95% were ones that came through a content upgrade, right? right? So these are people who, you know, one of the most, one of the more popular articles on my site is my experience going five days without eating, right? Doing a five day water fast. And in that article, I said, well, how do I get more email signs from this? I created a content upgrade where you can get my step-by-step, you know, checklist for doing your own five-day water fast. And And that that was like,
1: that's tech, that is textbook, like online marketing today. Like that playbook, right? That's, that's smart. That's what everybody does. Exactly. Yeah. That's what you're supposed to do if you want to get a lot of email signups from (laughs)
0: something. And you know, I'll I'll add the caveat here that if I was going to start a business teaching people how to do water fasts, then it would be different. Right. But that's not really the goal. The goal was you know, take the emails from this and use them to send traffic to other articles. But it turns out that people who found, who went to Google, searched for something about water fasting, and then signed up for this content upgrade, they don't care about maybe improving their productivity as much, things like that. When you have a lot of different stuff you talk about, then you know, they're not as engaged. And it turned out that that was true for pretty much any content upgrade on the site, even the ones that were more related to other content. If somebody signed up just so they could get access to something else, in a lot of cases they would never open another email. And I would also I also went through and looked at some of the abuse reports and things like that. So people who said, "Oh, this email is spam," I didn't sign up for this. Da 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 da. Pretty much all of them were content upgrades.
1: Yeah, I've I've done the same thing. We did a, you know, I, I used to do a bunch of content upgrades uh, here, you know, at Drift, and you know, would do. One of them was like an article from, from our CEO, uh, David, he does this podcast with me and, uh, Mm -hmm. he wrote this post about hiring. And then with it, we kind of did like a, you know, here's the hiring checklist that we use at drift. And we got, you know, we got a couple thousand email signups just from that one post yeah, And then we've emailed everybody the following week, like added them to our regular mailing and the unsubscribe rate was like, you know, over 3% for the, for the entire list. And then I got a bunch of replies directly to me that were like, I don't ever remember signing up for this. What is this? And so yep. that to me just wasn't, wasn't worth it. And it made, it made the transition a little bit easier. Um But I want to hit on another thing that you mentioned in your post, mm-hmm. which is uh you shared a great. You shared a great anecdote from, uh, from one of your favorite authors just about how they started publishing their content for free. And just like, you know, the way that we consume content as people, not as marketers today, I kind of want you to, to tell that story and just like what, what you learned from that.
0: Yeah. Uh, so in, I started thinking as I was, you know, as, as, as I was kind of pondering this it have been bothering me for a while. Uh, it made me think more about what was the goal with the blog. And I realized that, you know, for me, it was more of this, okay, I want it to be a really, really good reading experience. And so if I want to create this good reading experience, people keep coming back to what are the other people who are creating really good reading experiences that are enjoyable? You know, what do their blogs look like? And pretty much across the board, none of them are doing this really aggressive stuff. They, just have it out there and it's really excellent and you can sign up if you want to, right? They have it somewhere usually, but it's not kind of getting in your face. They've just put it there and it's a slower, you know, it's a slower ramp up. I think that if you want to create a really good collection of content and a really good site, you can't expect that, you know, in one or two articles suddenly everybody's going to go crazy uh, and love it. It takes a while. And if you skip straight to being really aggressive, then you kind of lose the chance to build up that slow relationship. Uh, I don't remember where this stat comes from, but it's something like for advertising to be effective, you have to touch people four or five times, right? right? If they see one ad, they won't necessarily go buy something. And I think it's the same with content, where somebody needs to find three, four, five really good articles on your site before they're convinced that, yeah, okay, this is a site that I want to read regularly. If you assume that somebody will show up on their first article ever and 20 seconds later be signing up for your email list, it's kind of like, well, why should they?
1: Right. It's, right. Funny, it's funny. It's one of the things – I think about this a lot because um, you know, content is a big part of our strategy of growing Drift. And we have, you know, we have a website, obviously, Drift.com, where you would go like sign up for our product. Um, but then we have this blog and the blog is growing faster than the website and it has a bigger audience – And some days I'm torn. I'm like, man, I I wish we could tap more into that blog audience and get them to buy Drift, right? Yeah. Um, But on the other hand, I'm like, no, the blog should be like this, this separate entity that people should find really helpful and really useful. And oh, by the way, it just happens to be written by this company that makes marketing software.
0: Yeah. And I think that's a really nice, refreshing way to look at it, right? Because most blogs, pretty much any blog you read online these days is not to help people (laughs) it's to sell something or to promote something else right so you know if you go read any marketing blog any health blog any sex blog anything they are selling something right and i think we've kind of just become conditioned to that and we've almost accepted it which is a shame because in a lot of ways it's cheapened online writing in general right where it's almost weird that somebody would just write something
1: online without any ulterior it's funny when you think about uh one of the things i'm trying to do personally this year is just read a lot more books and Mm -hmm. uh you know i would always spend like my commute home riding on the train reading like blog posts that i saved to pocket or something yeah Um, but then you know we we'd been talking about reading a lot on this podcast and uh you know david said something to me he's like you know if you think about the value of a book like somebody had to fucking put in time to write a book (laughs) Like, you know, like real time, like hours and months writing a book, whereas like you can just go bang out a blog post like that day. And so that was really like, oh, shit. Yeah, this is a good way to think about it. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, especially if you're thinking of learning something that the amount of effort that somebody has put into this, you know, book compared to a blog post.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I I think it's so true. I, I was thinking about this a lot, actually, right after I published that post, because, I went to I, I, when I wrote the post. I was living in Paris, actually, and I went over to Montmartre, which is this big artist colony, and you get crepes and everything. And then there's tons of people selling shitty little trinkets on the street, right? So it's you literally can't walk anywhere without somebody running up to you and being like, "Hey, you want a selfie stick?" or "Hey." You know, buy this yeah. little Eiffel Tower thing. And as I was going through it, I was like, man, this is just like the internet. <laughs> right? yeah,
1: that is so true. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Where yeah. you've, got, you've got all of these guys selling the exact same shit. <laughs> and they think the solution to selling more of it is to just get more aggressive on their promotion of it. It's like, no, the solution is to sell something better, right? Or to talk yeah. about something better. You've got all of these blogs and they're all saying the exact same thing, right? We could kill off like 99% of the marketing or health or whatever blogs online and we wouldn't lose any information because it's all the same repurposed junk. Uh, and, you know, because of that, they're so hyper competitive with each other that they have to get more aggressive with their marketing and everything. And that's to the huge detriment of the consumer, right? Yeah,
1: and the thing is like, so this is, that is such a good way of putting it. But the thing, the thing that like I think about all the time is, we all hate this as people. We all know this and we hate this. Yeah. And I don't want to, I don't want to fill out your forms. I don't want to talk to your sales reps. I want to figure everything out on my own. And I'll let you know if we have, a, if I have a question. And yep. I think everybody, everybody in my office, everybody that I've ever worked with feels the same way. But then we go to our jobs in sales and marketing and we just do exactly the opposite because that's how everybody else does it.
0: Yeah. I, and I think it's so easy to ignore uh the term in psych for this is like the dog that didn't bark right yeah so i I don't know if you're familiar with this it's from a sherlock holmes story but he he solves the case of the murder by recognizing that the dog didn't bark when it happened and so that meant that the dog must have known whoever killed this guy something like that uh and so it's really the point is that it's really easy to look at something and say oh we're getting a five percent conversion rate that's amazing uh but you're ignoring the 95 percent of people who didn't convert right and what did they think? Right. Because you're you're not hearing anything from them. They're just kind of the statistics you forget about and it's like, okay, well is it worth it to get five percent of people signing up if ninety-five percent of people are pissed off or at least annoyed.
1: Yeah, and this is this is the hard thing about about marketing, right? And I think that over the last five, ten years, marketing has come a long way because mm-hmm. Technology has been amazing, and now as a marketer, you don't your your job isn't like this fluffy like job. You can measure everything that you're doing, and so that was great for a while. But I think now we've gone so far in the other direction where, you know, marketers feel like they need to be able to like attribute every single action to something else or every single penny. When like to your point is like the reason people don't want to hear that is because they can't quantify what the other ninety five percent of people are doing. You can only quantify the five percent of people who subscribed or filled out your form. Yeah, and so we have a hard time saying like, you know, I, I don't, I don't know if other people are out there spreading the spreading the word, and I don't know if this person loves my stuff because I don't have their email address or they have never opted in.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's so true. As we've gotten more data driven in our marketing, we have stopped appreciating how effective things that we don't have data on are. <laughs> Right. So I I think buffer is actually a really good example of this, where I I sent them a nice tweet about part of their beta and they responded to the tweet and they said, hey, you know, glad you like it so much. And they sent me a, a little card with a care package and it's got some nice stickers and a really nice handwritten note. And like that made me feel so good. Right. And here I am talking about Buffer with you, and this podcast will be heard by thousands of people. <laughs> right. And you know some of them are going to go check out Buffer, but Buffer has no data on that thing that they did. Right. It was just the right thing to do. Right.
1: right? Nobody's going to get the the UTM parameter from this podcast yeah. from you. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, maybe if you
0: click to it from your site, they'll find it. But still, right? it's, <laughs> there's all of this untrackable stuff that's so effective. Yeah. And then when we get really in the weeds on data and numbers, and, and you know, I'll be totally honest. I'm, I love data and numbers. Right. And so this is hard for me too. Of course. But of course. it's, you know, it's easy to forget about, but it's so effective.
1: Yeah. And that you the buffer story is a, is a great example. It's just like, you know, we talk about it all the time. Uh, uh, the things that don't scale, like that's not, you know, a lot of people will tell you, Oh, that doesn't scale. Like we can't, you know, buffer. Why are they doing that? You know, they have 10 million in, in recurring revenue. Like how, how much longer can they possibly do that? And mm-hmm. like, we think of it as like shit. That's completely worth it. I would always try to find time to do stuff like that because of exactly what you just said. And so I don't know, fig- figure out how to scale it. Like you know, have yeah. somebody do that full time.
0: Yeah, and the the stuff like that, I think, is any, anyway you can provide something refreshing and a little bit surprising to you know this could be readers or customers. They're. I'm just going to be so happy that they are yeah. getting a break from everything
1: else. You know right? what? You know what? You know it's been the number one. So I. So we still capture people's email addresses, like for our content, because yeah. you know, we emails emails a good channel for us. Like we we do a good job with email. We think people like you know look forward to getting our emails. We don't abuse them. We send once a week tops. Um, the number one converting CTA like for capturing email addresses is PS is it okay if I send you a quick email?
0: <laughs> I think that's great.
1: <laughs> you know, I, it's still so honest, right? Right. And and that's, that's what it is. And, and that's how we, that's how we want to come across. And like, I don't know, somebody's, somebody's probably going to listen to this and be like, well, have you tested that? Or, you know, it's like, we're just doing it and it's working. Yeah. So,
0: and you know, uh, it's not worth it to get an extra, you know, 20% improvement <laughs> if you can't sleep at night.
1: <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. Cool man. Well, I'm I'm really uh, happy to have you uh, come on. Any any kind of final like closing thoughts? Like what do you think do you think we're going to see like are you and I going to be the only guys talking about this or do you think we're going to start to see more of a movement around um, around this type of stuff?
0: Man, it's so hard. I I would love to say that it's going to get better and improve, but I don't know. I mean, it's it's interesting. This is a this is a theme that's kind of repeated itself throughout history where in the early days of easy access to newsprint, there was the whole yellow journalism where there was just tons and tons of newspapers spewing absolute nonsense. And, you know, it was to the major detriment of good news sources. And then, you know, that slowed down a little bit. Uh, and now we're kind of seeing it again with blogs where, you know, and we could spend a ton of time talking about this too, because there's so people are so bad at paying attention now. Right. Right. Uh, and I'm sure you, you probably noticed this too, if you said that you're getting Back into reading, but if you've been reading online, reading a book is hard, right? Yeah. It's it's actually really hard to sit down for half an hour and just focus on a book, especially if it's rich literature, and to not check your phone, to have all your notifications off. We've kind of
1: lost some of that ability, right? It's hard. The hardest thing for me is um, if something comes up, like if I'm reading about something in history or whatever, and I yeah. don't, I don't remember it fully. I'll put down the book, grab my phone, and and like Google it, and that's yeah, like exactly. that's so shitty.
0: but that's that's kind of how all of our brains work now and with uh you know really an entire generation that can't focus anymore the pop-ups and the listicles and all that stuff are going to keep winning and you know it's kind of scary to think about what that's going to mean in terms of mm, like knowledge and our ability to process content and everything i hope i you know i think it has to come down to the individual where just more individual people have to say okay I'm gonna start reading better stuff, and that doesn't it doesn't necessarily mean our stuff. It just means the like having a higher bar for the information you actually consume. And I think with that will come people having to focus on making something better instead of just barraging people with clickbait, right? Because if people stop responding to it and stop rewarding it, then hopefully trends will move away from that. Because um, it's like you said, the stuff that's gonna last, like the books, is stuff that people put a lot of effort into. Yep, uh, and the little BuzzFeed articles are gone the next day. So
1: totally agree. Well, Nat, thanks so much uh, for coming on the show. Uh, We appreciate it. Uh, Let people know where they can, uh, where they can find you.
0: Oh yeah. Uh, You know, thanks for having me. If uh, people want to read other stuff, it's nateliason.com and then it's at nateliason pretty much everywhere. So Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat. Uh, But yeah, no, thanks for having me on. This is fun. It's good to talk about this and hopefully, you know, it'd be great if more, sites can move this direction especially ones that want to have really good reading experiences if the goal is to have a really good reading experience then you shouldn't be interrupting people in the middle uh and i'd love to see more of that happen
1: awesome that's a good place to leave it all right man thanks for doing it yeah thanks for having me